0: this week with two double digit victories over Ryder and Stony Brook. Welcome in everybody to the Scarlet Shooter Round podcast. My name is Blake,
1: here with co-host Mike. Ready to dive into what we just saw this past week. Mike, how are you doing today? Uh good to be back. First off, I know you kind of had to handle things on your own as a way on a little little trip to the Windy City, little engagement ring shopping Oh, he goes so live with it. He goes live with it like he's no, it No, it's exciting. It's a good trip. Glad like I said, glad to be back though. Um Glad to talk about Nebraska basketball. Got some dental work done today, so I'm feeling a little – teeth are feeling a little weird maybe, but uh, doesn't prevent my ability to talk. So Those we'll on YouTube getting
0: a nice little view of the freshly minted teeth
1: here. Jeez. But be
0: warned, I think we had one, maybe two female viewers. He is now off the market, folks. Off the market. Well, Cannot. I mean, have been for
1: a while, but officially. <laughs> officially, officially yeah, quite yeah. officially
0: now. Love it. So let's get into this. Uh, Nebraska goes ahead and beats Ryder 64-50, to 50, a pretty ugly game in general. Defense kind of took the center stage there. Nebraska has a tough shooting night, but as Fred uh, quoted, which we'll get into, defense has to be the constant on this team. Uh, Mass goes for 12-13-2, has another double-double over his 27 minutes. Wilcher comes off the bench and plays a great game, has 13 points, five rebounds, and one assist, and really kept them afloat in the first half. And he proved that he could come off the bench and be a weapon for us. Alec goes for 10-6 and six and proves again that he's an energetic re- energetic rebounder who can get some offensive boards and happen to have four this game. Uh, Tominaga goes for seven points on three of 13 shooting in his return to the floor. Um, not an efficient start, probably not what anybody imagined, but I think in watching the game, you can kind of see a little bit of him pressing, trying to find those yeah. shots, get the crowd excited a little bit. So maybe a little bit of nerves on that side of things, but... Um, you know, as we'll talk about coming up as well, Stony Brookie right in the ship quite a bit. So, and then Bryce Williams goes for seven, and eight on one of six shooting a little bit inefficient, but made a lot of his free throws. So kind of saved his,
1: his uh, stat line on that side of it and cl- crashed the glass. Well, Mike, what do you take from that game? Yeah. Well, you said it was a pretty ugly game. Maybe I know I, at one point I tweeted that that was the worst four minutes of basketball <laughs> I'd ever watched. I think at the start of the second half, uh, we had two misses and four turnovers in our first six possessions. So it was, a rough start, um, but yeah, defense defense came out and balled out. I know it got a little tight there in the second half. At one point, it was a one point lead, 47-46. But then uh, the Huskers went on a seventeen to four run to finish the game. Actually, a seventeen zero run, and then a couple car- garbage time buckets by by Ryder too, to get a couple points there. So good to see the defense step up, uh, win your clunkers. I know it's something that we say a lot. Maybe not on the podcast yet. I'm sure you'll hear it plenty of times now, but when you're clunkers, if you're not shooting well, uh, you can always play well on the defensive end as, as we alluded to, uh, Fred, Fred talking about.
2: Well, the the biggest thing, as I told the guys, the message in the locker room was every night has to be our, uh, uh, defense has to be our constant. And we've talked about that all year. There's going to be nights where the ball does not go in the hoop like tonight. And you have to be able to continue to guard on that other end. You can't drop your head. You can't feel sorry for yourself. You got to keep going out there and defending at a high level. And and that's exactly what our guys did. I believe it was nine minutes where we held them without a point.
0: So, again, the defense shined tonight. Um, You know, I'm not sure that we fully expected this to be a defensive-based team. We know last year Fred designed a game plan that was focused on defense and worked with Walker kind of running the point with Tominaga's electric February. But uh, this team has proven that it can play defense as well. Uh, You know, held them to 30% shooting from the field on 17 of 56. 24% from three on six of 25. Um, So, you know, the defense showed up tonight and, and Ryder, you know, maybe not carrying the name weight, Mike, but this is a really good veteran team. They're preseason favorites for their conference. And the Mac,
1: the M double AC, whatever you may want to call it.
0: And they came with energy, but we battled adversity when it wasn't going in.
1: Yeah. Like you said, veteran squad, they know, um, you know, what college basketball is all about. I think uh, a thing that stood out to me is we were plus 13 in rebounding Ryder last year was thirty seventh in rebounding margin. So well coached team, they crashed the boards well. But to see us get double digit rebounding margin, I think that's that's big. I think that speaks to our front court, which maybe coming into the season was kind of a question mark. I know it was for me. I didn't know how you know mass would transfer over, how his skills would. But I think our front court between him and Alec, Alec's always bringing that energy. Uh, I think they're kind of a strength of the the team that I've seen for the first three games here.
0: It's very interesting too. Again, we always talk about it. We'll say it every single time we go live, but the depth on this team allows for so many different lineups. We can go small. We can go big. If we get Mast, Gary and Alec all in the game, you know, you can get some really strong rebounding in there. So come big 10 play. I feel really good about how we might match up with a lot of these teams.
1: Yeah. I mean, like you said, depth, we got, Three guys in double digits again. I mean, 26 bench points out of the 64 total. It's it's Scoring can come from anyone on this team uh, to give you good minutes, and I think that's, like you said, important when it comes to conference play.
0: And I want to touch really quick, too, on on Wiltshire. This is a, a dude that probably yeah. isn't going to start much this year, playing in Tobinaga's shadow a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen Lawrence step back in his scoring a little bit, but you just never know with how deep this team is who's going to be the hero on any given night. And it right, could be right. on offense or defense, right? Tonight we just – or not tonight, but, uh, for the Ryder game, we saw that, you know, the defense had to show up tonight. Shots weren't falling. And,
1: and our scoring hero was CJ Wiltshire. I mean, that's right. not to say that he wasn't able to do it, but who saw that coming? Right. I, especially coming in the season, I, I think eyes were Bryce Williams, other, plenty of other people. Maybe you're looking at to, to score Boogie Coleman, maybe perhaps, but yeah, not seeing Wiltshire necessarily be the guy to, to buoy the team, but it's glad to see that he, he can do that. And I know there are a couple times there. He, uh, Drove in, made a tough layup. That's something we didn't see a lot last year. I feel like tough finishes in contact and more of a spot-up shooter. Obviously, he made his threes this game too, but uh, good to see a little bit of versatility in his game now. Only thing
0: we're really waiting on, and this will transfer into the Stony Brook conversation as well, is we had 13 assists and 11 turnovers. So Huskers really have got to figure out this turnover problem. A lot of it starting at the point guard spot. You know, we don't have a true uh, bona fide point guard in this team you know the only issue, Aaron Eulis may have potentially fit that bill. We learned again that he's not going to be eligible this year, so
1: Lawrence is going to have to develop. At bottom line, yeah, it's it's a problem. Turnovers, you got to take care of the ball, and I know I've been harping on it a lot. Missed layups, got to make the got to make the easy ones. So uh, those are the two things I'm looking forward to see if they can improve going forward here, Oregon State, and, and looking forward to conference play. So we beat Ryder 64
0: 50, sets us up very well for a. Cornhusker classic victory here <laughs> beating a tough so. opponent, tough opponent. So, you would hope so. Uh, 64-50 win for the Huskers and then they came back Wednesday and took on Stony Brook. Mike, what do you want uh, you want to break down that game a little yeah. bit? Yeah, I
1: mean Stony Brook ended up being an 84-63 win, double I mean 21 point win. Uh, Stony Brook maybe once again not the highest quality opponent, but uh, some some big notes, you know Williams led the team with or not the led the team, excuse me. Williams had 17 points, 9 boards, 4 assists. On 6-9 shooting, you know, he talked maybe wasn't so efficient against Ryder. Very efficient game against Stony Brook. Uh, I think the big note here is Jordan Gary coming back. Uh, he didn't get the start, came in off the bench, had 23 minutes. He went 8-for-11 shooting, 19.7 boards, uh, no assists. But uh, I think, you know, Fred was happy to see him back, and I think the team's happy to have him back, yeah.
0: Hoiberg very excited to start getting his weapons back available on this team. He had a quote on Gary's return.
2: Yeah, it's it's great to have Juan back on the floor. He just brings so much. He, he has every intangible that you can bring to a to a team when when he when he goes on the floor. And you know, it's good to see him make those couple that really helped us extend the lead. Uh but he did what he always does. He got uh, extra possessions for us, rebounded the ball well, defended at a high level. He can guard multiple positions. He can really guard 1 through 5. So it's it's great to have him back. Uh you know, got a full roster. Um you know, pretty much right now uh, with the exception of a couple guys. But, you know, Jawan back on the court makes a big difference for our team.
0: And Gary, while maybe not going to be a huge scoring threat or maybe the best rebounder on the team necessarily, he is the biggest addition that this team could have asked for going forward. Because Alec, while, you know, he's a good player and and can get done what he needs
1: to do, Gary's a whole different animal down there. Yeah, different, different beast. I think, you know, Fred alluded to it, can guard one through five in this game. He actually did at one point guard one through five at every point in the game. Very impressive. That's just more credence to our defense that we were to preach in. You know, held Stony Brook to 37.9% shooting. That's all four games now they've held their opponent under 40% shooting. Kind of like what we talked about with the Ryder game. We didn't necessarily see this as like a defense first team, but it's kind of looking that way right now.
0: Yeah, and all the metrics show that our defense adjusted efficiency is actually higher than our offensive adjusted yeah. efic- efficiency. So, not something that you would probably normally picture out of a Fred Hoiberg team, but I think we're seeing that again. The culture from last year of a defense first mentality
1: might be flooding over to this team. And I'll, I mean, I'm not going to complain about it. I think it's a good approach. I I think, you know, I've always told growing up, you know, for my basketball coaches that even if your shots aren't falling, you know, defense is like 95% effort. It's, it's, you lock in, you bring your most when, when you can when you're on that side of the court and uh, there's just really no excuse not to bring it there.
0: So Tobinaga has a much better game against Stony Brook goes for 16, three and four, got a little bit back to his old ways. Yep. Didn't necessarily force quite as many shots. You could feel he's a little bit looser uh, for the Stony Brook game, had a lot of great backdoor cuts to the hoop. And we saw Mast uh give him a couple of assists up from the yep. top of the key. So you'd love to see that, you know, remnants of Derek Walker a little bit. Uh, what two of six from three, seven, eleven from the field. So played a really good game. Mass goes for 14, eight, and five. So again, we're seeing those assist numbers go up with Mass with Tobinaga's reemergence on this team.
1: Uh, he's just such a multi dimensional threat, and he's even probably surpassing my preseason expectations. No, very much so. I mean, I have it here in my takeaways. You know, I think Mass's ability to just stretch the defense is, is so important. He was, like you said, two for four um, on threes. Uh, he's shooting 31.3% on the season. Maybe he isn't. Great, but for a big guy shooting thirty percent, I mean, you gotta respect that. And being able to stretch out that defense, that opens up like like you said, those backdoor cuts. You don't have to worry so much about getting blocked if you're a guard um getting into the paint while while Mass is out there on the floor, which is which is huge.
0: And not just Mass, but Gary hit two threes last night too. Right. So you're talking about three-point threats all over the floor. A, right. a huge, awesome, amazing development for this team. Uh Lawrence goes for eight, five, and four, had the highest plus-minus on the team with uh thirty-one. So um, has still had a couple turnovers, still going to be a little bit of a bit of an issue, but you can kind of see him rounding into form a little bit as these games keep
1: going. Yeah, and I think he will eventually get into that as, you know, he gets more minutes as as the primary ball handler. It's he's only going to learn, you know, trial by fire a little bit maybe, but I think uh we'll see that improvement. It's good to see him be leading the team in plus minus like you said. Having those four assists is big, but the three turnovers, work on it a bit as a team. We had 19 assists and 14 turnovers which not exactly the, uh, the ratio you want, but I mean, it got it done against Stony Brook. um, Like you had alluded to, you know, seeing that lineup of Lawrence, Tominaga, Williams, Alec, and Mast, seeing those assist numbers go up. It's, it's really promising.
0: And I think we can pretty much see now that Fred is finding that starting lineup. I think Mm -hmm. that lineup of Lawrence, Tominaga, Williams, Gary and Mast is probably going to be our set lineup going forward. They seem to have a lot of chemistry. You saw Fred play those guys for an extended amount of time late in that Stony Brook game, even though it was probably out of reach at that point, I think they all were on the floor together for about six or seven minutes in the late second Mm -hmm. half. So I think he finally kind of hit him over the head. It's like, these are, these are my guys. He saw the flow. He saw the chemistry again, as you pointed out, the assist numbers go up. So I think you just kind of let him play at that point. You just kind of see what happens. And I think uh, a result of that, unfortunately I think boogie and Eli rice might seem to be the odd men out of the rotation, but yeah. um, those guys will move to death rolls. The good news is those are some of the best depth pieces you're probably going to find in the big 10.
1: Yeah, no, it's, I, I'd love to see Eli race get more minutes, but obviously with the lineup we have, I, I think he's going to have to earn them. And at this point, I don't know if he has necessarily, I do love his new hair that he came out with. The I noticed Brooks, that as by well. I, I just wanted to mention well. that, but um, yeah, like you said, it's not bad to have that depth. We're gonna harp on it again, but it's not bad to have that depth. Um, it's just it's it's gonna come into play off nights when you're not shooting well. I mean, we had 29 bench points against Stony Brook here. I mean, obviously, our leading score came off the bench again. I don't expect that to happen every night, but it's good to see that happen. So a lot of versatility out there. The Huskers end up shooting
0: 55% from the field on 33 of 60. Uh, only shot 45% in the first half and only 17.6% from three in the first half as well. So again, tough offensive stretch in the first half, but rounded it out in the second half and the defense kept us alive in the first half again.
1: Yeah. I, I, the one stat that worries me here is shooting 58% from the free throw line. I know against Ryder, we shot above 70, but it's, it's just a thorn in our side. I feel like it has been for the longest time, not being able to get those free points, make your, make your free throws at the line um, and hopefully it doesn't come back to bite us down the stretch with, you know, we got a lead and a team's trying to extend the game. Got to be able to make them got to have it. So hopefully that's something they can figure out, you know, work on it in the, in the Hendricks and maybe we'll see it and come game time.
0: And I tweeted this live, uh, during the game, Scarlet shoot pod on Twitter. Um, at what points is enough to enough data points to see that we have a free throw shooting problem? I think this is three of the last four where we haven't broken the 70% barrier, I it hasn't bothered us yet, right? We've played three to four teams that are all 200 Ken Palmer worse. So not an issue yet, but when you get into the big 10 and you get into the Illinois, the
1: Indianas, the Michigan States, the, the Purdue you cannot give up those points. No, you need to have them. And obviously when we have our first, I don't know if you want to call it real test here, but a first bigger test in Oregon state um, lo- would love to see that improve. Obviously it's not going to be at home or it's going to be at the Pentagon and uh, Sioux falls, but uh, we'll see how the boys adjust to that.
0: As Mike alluded to, next game heading down to uh, the Pentagon. Well, heading up, I guess, in all geographical technicalities. Yep. Heading up to the Pentagon in Sioux Falls, taking on Oregon State, a 3-0 and team. Had a couple tight overtime wins. This team, you don't want to say it's battle-tested, but it's most definitely overtime-tested, Mike.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, 3-0, a win's a win. But a double overtime against Troy in their second game, a one-point win at home. And then uh, another OT game at home against App State. Those are, you know... Troy's two twenty two in Ken Palm and App State's one seventy eight. So not the highest quality opponents to be forced into OT, but like you said, you know, battle tested. They've seen some I know it's coach speak, you know, he saw some adversity. So we'll see, uh we'll see what they bring bring to uh to Sioux Falls. Ken
0: Palm checking in, Oregon State, uh, 174th on uh the overall ratings that he has, 209th in offense and 140th in defense. Uh, tempo, they played a three at the 337th fastest pace in the country. So this team draws out possessions. Doesn't really push the floor a whole lot. Uh, and i found that they are, uh, 27th in defensive
1: steals and 318th in offensive steals. So they take care of the ball and they force a couple steals. Yeah. And maybe after the last couple of games, that might be a bit of a worry for us seeing that turnover bug pop up. But if the, if the scurs take care of the ball, I think they got a pretty good chance to take care of this one. So starting five
0: projected for Oregon State, I have written down you may differ a little bit. Uh, point guard Christian Wright, a 6'3" junior averaging 9-2 and 2 on the season. He's shown that he's a little bit turnover prone averaging about 3 turnovers a game, so hopefully we have some opportunities mm-hmm. there on the defensive end. Shooting guard Jordan Pope, a 6'2" sophomore who's averaging 19-4 and 3 seems to be their go-to guy on offense. Really
1: uh, leading the pack, shooting forty-three percent from three and forty-eight percent from the field. This is a guy that's dangerous. We're gonna have to watch out for him. Yeah, dude's a flamethrower. You know, he, get, he gets out, he gets an open look. He's gonna hurt you. Um, not only that, shooting one hundred percent from the free throw line, so you can't just hack him and hope. You know, he doesn't earn it. He's gonna he's gonna convert. And um, yeah, like you said, averaging nineteen points per game. It's, you know, obviously they've had some longer games, so the the points per game might go up a bit. But the dude's for real. Yeah. Starting at the three spot, I have it projected to be Dexter or Dexter Acano,
0: a six-five senior averaging 14, 4, and two. It's so only shooting twenty-seven percent from the field. It's so not necessarily a huge offensive threat, but um, a senior that I'm sure provides a lot of leadership for them. At the four spot, I have Tyler Billido. Tyler Billido. Billido. I'm going to shoot Billido. Billido. You're the pronunciation. Yeah, I got the French. Here. I got the French. Um, a six-ten <laughs> sophomore averaging six-five uh, and zero. He splits time at the five spot. Another guy on their team that's turnover prone, right. uh, three and 3.3 3 turnovers per game. Um, and they have a sixth man that they'll rotate in with their fifth man, Casey, a and Thomas and Dong, both 6'10", uh, taller guys, both averaging about five points and five rebounds a game. Um, not really sure how they'll distribute that playing time, but those two will see the floor.
1: Yeah. Uh, I know in their last start, actually, someone you didn't mention is Chole Marial. He's a 7'2 center. So you're talking about bigger guys. This is a big guy. He's averaging points per game. So he's not going to fill up the buck. He's only got three rebounds in in his last game, but um, he's going to be a rim protector. He's a seven, two. It's tough to get around. I don't care if mast is pulling that guy out that with a wingspan and a height like that, that's pretty, it's pretty good for the defense. So
0: this seems to be a defensive first team. Uh, They're 77th in effective field goal percentage on defense and 57th in uh, turnover percentage on defense. So again, a team that's going to cause a lot of problems on the defensive side of the ball, Uh, Maybe not going to shoot the lights out of the building again in that double overtime win. I believe they had 81 points. Yep. 81 so, points in double OT. Yep. So again, this is a team that's going to try to force you to play in the half court. They're going to try to minimize our fast break points as much as they can. I'll uh, be interested to see how our three pointers uh, are going to shoot over their guards, mostly smaller guys against six, two, six, three, six, five. So yep. should have a little bit of a height advantage there. And I'd like to see how, uh, if, if Fred's going to run
1: out this big lineup against these guys. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to see him uh, kind of attack with the front court. Like I said, I think it's kind of the strong suit of our team. So uh, getting, you know, maybe even a, a real big lineup, maybe a Gary, Gary Alec Mast lineup, kind of try to take advantage of that size difference, but we'll see. I mean, I think my key of the game is they better key in on Jordan Pope. I know we talked about his scoring, but um, just the tale of what he's done here in this double OT games, you know, he's making free throws to push them to OT. He's making, you know, an and one to push him to OT to double OT. It's incredible. The dude's clutch. So I think that's, that's my key of the game is just how they, how they come about on defense for that. Um, I guess who do you do you got any idea who you think you're going to guard? I'm sure probably not Casey. You think it's going to be Lawrence
0: having the responsibility there. The nice thing about having the lineup that we do and having seven guys that could potentially you know get into double figures on this team, potentially eight, is that. Any guy that they decide to focus on, there will be another guy open, right? right? So, you know, they might decide to, to double mass. They might decide to chase him off the three-point line. Well, there's going to be opportunities for other guys mm-hmm. out there. You know, you look at a guy like Bryce Williams, you probably foresee him having a pretty good uh, a pretty good game. You know, he's probably looking at a six five guy guarding him potentially, so should have a little bit of a height advantage. Right. Um, this Oregon State team is a heavy three-point shooting team uh, with a lot of three-point threats. So having this height advantage is going to help us a lot. Um, they're 57th in three-point
1: distribution percentage out of all their points, so they look for the three-ball a lot. Yeah, and I think maybe that's something uh, the Huskers can use as a little preview to Creighton, you know, after this. Don't look forward. And we're not looking forward yet. Let's not have, a, like, a little letdown here after we're trying to look forward to the big in-state game. But um, that's the type of team that we're talking about here, you know, big focus on shots beyond the arc. So take care of business here and maybe learn a couple things about this team and see how we can carry that forward. Ken Palm has this projected to a seventy-three, sixty-four win.
0: Uh, projected to 71-62 win on Bart Torvik. So that would venture to guess that Nebraska will be about a nine-point favorite. Mike, you laying the points?
1: They play so slow is the only worry I have. Like we mentioned, I mean three three thirty-eight out of you know three sixty-two teams in in D one basketball. So, and I think Huskers are middle of the pack at like one thirty something. So. That's my one worry about that is maybe it's too slow and we don't get a chance to score enough points to make up that difference. But uh, being the homer I am, yeah, I'm going to lay the points. I'm going to actually go
0: the other way. I think I'm going to take the points with Oregon State for the sole fact that being a defensive first team that Oregon State is, Mm -hmm. we seem to not be able to put together a full game of shooting. It's either the second half we shoot well, the first half we shoot well. So for whatever reason, our scoring seems to just kind of disappear at times. I'm going to take the points just on that fact alone, as well as the fact that they might get a little bit hot
1: from three. I still project probably Nebraska by five or six point win, but I am going to take the points. Well, I hope not because my nails, my fingernails and my heart wouldn't enjoy a five (laughs) or six point win. I'd much rather a a double digit victory, but we'll see.
0: Moving on here. So a little bracketology update for you. I know it may be uh, November, but when it fits the narrative, (laughs) I'm going to share the bracketology (laughs) updates. So uh, just a couple metrics where we're checking in at. We are 44th in the net rankings uh, 52nd in ESPN BPI, 55th in Ken Palm. Bart Torvik has us as the 43rd team in the country, team rankings as 62nd. Now the exciting parts here, Bart Torvik and his Rankatology gives us a 59% chance of a tournament berth. Mike,
1: what do you think about that? Over 50% chance. Over huh? fi- You can flip a coin and odds are you're going. That's incredible. I, I I know I said it last time I was on the podcast before my little hiatus, but uh I think it might be a little too early to draw conclusions (laughs) four games in, but... If it fits the narrative, it's exciting to talk about. I love to hear it.
0: The team rankings website, just to temper expectations a little bit, has us at a 14.4% chance of a birth. So probably more of fitting your narrative. Yeah, that seems a little it. more realistic to <laughs> me. Slowing down. That seems just a little, a little more realistic, but we'll see. Yeah. ESPN gives us a 7.6% chance of getting into the round of 32. So you'd venture to guess that's probably about the same, about 15% chance of getting in the dance. And the bracket matrix still has us in three of 44 brackets that they list. So,
1: what do you think, Mike? I mean, it's, I think, it looks good for now, right? Yeah, no, it does. And they've done what they're supposed to do is beat up on these, you know, not so great teams. I think the Huskers are 4-0 and for the first time since the 2018-2019 season. So uh, they've, they've taken care of business and uh, excited to see what can do. Uh, the big one for me there is the ESPN one talking about getting to the round of 32. That implies a win. <laughs> <laughs> because getting to the tournament is exciting but no longer having the cloud over this program of being the only major conference school without a tournament win if we could eliminate that i would be ecstatic so We'll see what the year brings. Uh, I love the Bractology update in mid-November. <laughs> I, I hope it sticks around. I hope we can keep updating it and we don't have to uh, shy away from this part. And it keeps
0: going the right direction. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Hopefully it's not, you know, mid-January and we're hearing, you know, 0% chance because that would be real sad.
0: So, so Mike, I got a couple questions for you. Yeah. So, you know, we've kind of talked about um, some of the guys that have come back on this team, Gary, you know, coming back, Tomonaga coming back.
1: Who has impressed you the most on this team and who's disappointed you the most on this team so I th- far? I think I think most impressive to me honestly has been Mast. I think uh, I think I may have underestimated what he brings to the team. I know you know he can stretch the floor. I knew that coming in. He's you know he's got a shot. But it's beyond that because when he gets in the paint, he actually has a pretty diverse set of moves he can use in the paint. He can score inside or out which I think just opens up a lot of things for everybody else. I know, I think it was the, I think it was end of the first half for Stony Brook. Um, we drew up a play and, you know, everyone's keying Tominaga and, and ends up being a pick and pop for mass and he hits the three. I think that's, you know, the more guys you have that have that ability the the better it is for everybody. And I think I've just been really impressed by him. I know I was kind of down on his rebounding after the first game, he got a couple poked away, but I'll happily eat Crow. He's been much better than I thought he would be. You know, a couple double-doubles. I had asked you if he's going to have three in the season, I think, you know, the last episode I was on, and he's got two of them already. So I, I'm i thoroughly impressed by what I've seen from that. And I tend to
0: side right with you. Mass has been unbelievable. And now we're starting to see in the Stony Brook game that he has the ability to pass the ball as well yeah. the five assists. This guy might – I mean, this. I don't want to go too crazy here, but I don't see why this guy, if we have a good season, couldn't be an all-Big Ten honoree.
1: Yeah. And having said that, I do want to ask you a question now. I know do a little by yourself for you real quick. Do you think, are you buying or saying that two Huskers can earn all conference honors? I'll include honorable mentions to that. So first team, second team, third team, honorable mention. Do you think we can get two guys into that? Well, let's see. So you're talking
0: about three to potentially four candidates. I, I would honestly, right now, I think Mast will get there at some point. Some form or fashion, even if it's third team, um, I think he's too valuable all over, all over the court, can stretch the court as well with some three mm-hmm. pointers. And again, mm-hmm. if he keeps his assist numbers coming, I mean, this guy's a, he's a hell of a player. Hell of a player. Um, you're looking at Tobinaga, right? Can he keep his shooting going? Um, you know, uh, can he be efficient? There's not going to be as many shots, I don't think, in this offense now mm-hmm. with the multiple offensive threats that we have as opposed mm-hmm. to last year. So, can he shoot at an efficient enough clip to average 16 17 a game? In which case, if he does, I'm sure he'll be on an right. all big 10 team past that could Bryce Matthews get enough share of the pie to get in there can he rebound well enough um, you know if, if Lawrence gets it going I can see if he gets some assist numbers up there right. lowers the turnovers a little bit and maybe he's an he's an honorable mention type of guy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's some potential I'll buy two I don't think I can buy three though yeah. I think you get a little bit crazy at that yeah. point um, do we get a first teamer I don't know that we have a true game plan game changer to be a first teamer.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. That's where I'll draw the line. That's a, that's a, that's a tough ask as a first teamer. I'd, I'd agree with you on that. I think that definitely we have the talent, you know, I think the first team mentioned there between mass and Tominaga to be second team. I do think, you know, like, as you'd mentioned, Bryce Williams, and I want to see, you know, more Gary, I think he looked really good shooting and, and slashing it on the defense. And I think if he can carry, carries that forward, maybe he has a shot to
0: So with kind of the emergence of what we feel is the top five or six or seven, um, you know, that Fred's trotting out there, who do you
1: think is going to suffer from a drop in minutes? I think it'll probably be Boogie Coleman first, which is tough, tough to say, because I love what he brings to the team. I I know he's had some great assists, um, but right now I just haven't seen enough from him personally. Um, Having said that, I think right now it's probably Wiltshire Hoiberg first to off the bench, but I see no reason that, You know, Hoiberg and Coleman can't switch in those positions, anything like that. Um, Eli Rice probably isn't going to get to see a lot of minutes, I don't imagine, which is a shame, but he's a freshman. It's tough to play a Big Ten ball when you're a freshman, so I don't find that too surprising. Um, But, yeah, I I think, you know, we have the the – five starters figured out. And then the next three is kind of, uh, pick your poison maybe. But I think, I think Wiltshire might be the six man as we've mentioned earlier. So I'm just going to throw this out there because I
0: want to figure out where you fall on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Is it crazy to say that we could be a top six
1: team in the big 10 at this juncture? I don't, I don't think it's crazy from what we've seen, you know, from around the big 10, I mean, Michigan state's one and two, one of the losses was to Duke, but <laughs> they're one and two. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily crazy. I, I personally love what I've seen. I think they're playing, you know, it's Big Ten ball, but great at rebounding margin. The defense is there. I think that lends well to how this conference typically plays basketball. And if they can continue to do that, I don't see a reason why they couldn't. Once again, I'm still probably in that, like, 10 to 8 range, but I could see them getting up to 6 if, if the season goes well, yeah. Now,
0: with the weak start to the Big Ten non-conference slate around around the country, mm-hmm. does 6th place get us in? It should, It should, yeah. I
1: mean, I, I, I personally, I would say so. I think it'd be tough to keep out a, a team that finishes 6th in a major conference, like the Big Ten, We've seen it before. It's happened before. <laughs> I, I hate, hate to it. say. Knock on wood. We've been the victim of this more than a yeah, couple times yeah, now. No, knock on wood. But, well, here's the problem is if Nebraska's six, they go, damn, the really <laughs> is really down. Yeah, yeah. If Nebraska's the up there. Problem. This conference sucks. No, that's the real problem, I think. <laughs> but. No, I think I think six is definitely definitely good enough to get in. I mean, I was talking earlier; eighth is probably good enough, possibly for a bit. So, I think if we finish six, I'd see that. I know I know it's tough with the the weak non-con so far around the around the conference, but uh, I'm I'm not too necessarily worried about sixth place missing out. So, on that note, let's kind of slowly
0: mosey in here to the Big Ten roundup. Uh, got a lot of big teams in action here. Uh, unfortunately, probably not a lot of good updates for you. Uh, the number 80 team in Ken Palm UAB uh, beats Maryland in the Charleston Classic 66-63. This was uh, UAB's first win. Jameer Young goes for 14-6-6. Six six. Uh, Hardest in go for 13 apiece.
1: And they missed a three-pointer at the buzzer. So a tough, tough, tough loss and start the season for Maryland. That's crazy. I'd, I'd never in a thousand years thought that that'd be a, a result. But here we are, and I guess that's, you know beauty of March, but it's November. So
0: moving on down the line, the Indiana Hoosiers beat the 325th ranked uh, Ken Palm team, army 72 to 64. They only led by one point at halftime uh, where Johnson and Renault score 53 of their 72 points. So it doesn't look like they have a whole lot of scoring distribution yeah. down there at assembly hall. Um, but army is not good. Like army is not a good team and they were tied with three and a half That's, minutes. Last
1: army's I, army's not a great team. Um, I'm not I wouldn't be too worried. It's early season. They'll they'll get things figured out, I'd imagine. Purdue gets a really nice win
0: beating the number thirty eight ranked Ken Pomp team, Xavier eighty three to seventy one. Zach E the beast that he is, goes for
1: twenty eight and eleven. This is a good win for the Boilers. Purdue is easily the class of the Big Ten. Yeah, I I see no reason why they wouldn't be, you know, the number one team going into conference play here, thinking that they're they're probably gonna, you know, run the not run the table as in undefeated, but run the table as in being the class of the Big Ten, yeah.
0: Michigan defeats the number seventy sixth ranked ken pump team. Saint John's eighty nine to seventy three and a really nice win for the Wolverines. McDaniel goes off for twenty six, six, and seven, an all caliber all big ten caliber line right there. Burnett goes for twenty one, three and two. Michigan seems to be for real for what we've seen so far.
1: Yeah, no, they're they that's a big win as you had mentioned. I don't know uh if Saint John how they're looking in the big east necessarily, but uh that's a, that's a quality win for sure.
0: Illinois loses a really tough game at home to number nine ranked Marquette in Ken Palm, 71-64. Shannon Jr. goes for 21-2-2. It it was close, but Marquette pulled away late there. So Illinois showed that they can fight at home. You know, a ranked team and the coaches pulled Mm -hmm. themselves, but couldn't get it done against Marquette. And in the uh, Hitler versus Stalin match that I, I did have on, which I want to note, and I tweeted this as well, Uh, There was a Husker fan in the crowd at this Iowa Creighton game that Shannon Gobeg Go Big Red during a free throw. I've never been so happy in my life to know that they're they're out there. They're out there. We're everywhere. I mean, I would be miserable at that game. (laughs) I'd probably have to wear like purple or something. I don't know. I'd hate. I mean, I couldn't do it. But Iowa Falls, uh, the 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 lesser of the two evils. Iowa Falls, eighty four to ninety two, to the eleventh ranked. Creighton Blue Jay squad. Uh Cricky goes for 24 and fr- 24 and 5, Perkins for 16, 6 and 3. Iverson shoots 43% from three, but
1: same story as always with Fran's team. They can't defend a lick. I would venture to say if we shot that well from three, we're gonna beat Creighton. Because I think we can defend a lick. So we'll see what happens. It's it's maybe that's the formula. You gotta shoot well from beyond the arc. As you
0: mentioned, Michigan State, lot loses to the number 12th-ranked Ken Palm team, Duke, 74-65. Walker goes for 22 points. Hall goes for 18. They fell behind in the first half, like They just couldn't
1: catch up to Duke. Yeah. I mean, Duke's a good squad. I don't think I'm not taking too much from that. That's, that's, you know, if we want to talk about bracketology, I think Duke's got a chance to go pretty deep, as they do every year. So not too worried if you're a Spartans fan, if you ask me.
0: Wisconsin continues a tough start to the season, losing 72 to 59 to the 47th ranked team in Kenpom um, store goes for 22. Wisconsin only has six assists in this loss. Yeah.
1: That's a brutal stat line. Six assists. That's not sharing the ball. It's a lot of ISO ball. And I think, uh, especially in co- maybe you can get away with that in the NBA, but I think in college basketball, you got to be a little more team, team centric passing the ball. So that's, that's tough. Um, tough to see Wisconsin off to a tough start, but, uh, I guess, you know, as long as Huskers can't handle business, it's not the end of the world for us. <laughs> good for the big ten good for Nebraska's prospects, right? yeah. Much, eh?
0: yeah. Uh, Northwestern, we just praised him last week for a good win against Dayton. Well, they go back and must have slept walked into this one because they beat the three hundred and seventh ranked Ken Palm team, Western Michigan sixty three to fifty nine. Boo Booey goes for twenty one, three and five. Barnheiser goes for twenty seven and three, so two obviously bona fide mm-hmm. good players over there, but they were outscored in the second half and this game was tied with four minutes on the clock.
1: Yeah, it's it's questioning what's going on in Evanston love the town was just there this weekend but it's uh that raises some concerns if you ask me i i know boo booy has been there for 19 years but um I don't know. I don't know how I feel about them this year, honestly. I think they might be uh, might be on the way to the bottom of the Big Ten. Rutgers defeats the 185th ranked Ken team, Georgetown,
0: 71 to 63. Scarlet Knights get into double figures and they win despite losing the rebounding battle by 11. So Steve Beichel finally gets the, maybe the season going a little bit over there after a tough start.
1: Yeah. Um... Is Ewing still coaching? Uh, I believe he got canned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no, that's good. You know, good for Rutgers. That's a it's a quality win. Tough to win when you're outreading bounded by that margin, but uh, pulled it off. And uh, excited to see you know what goes on with them. Do I think we visit the rack this year? I believe so. I hope so. I love I love, I love winning rack, at the rack. So. <laughs> I love winning at the
0: rack. It's not <laughs> hard.
1: No, uh, you know, good for them. Uh, always good to see a Big Ten team win a win a, a non-con game. So mm, I don't know, pretty pretty uh, up in the air as far as Big Ten non-con goes. If you ask me, a little weak, but uh, not the end of the world. Rutgers, you know, prior had lost to Princeton. Interesting, of note, I don't have the score in front of me.
0: Shame on me for not writing it down. But Princeton goes ahead and beats a future opponent, ours Duquesne. So an interesting little development there. Duquesne, unfortunately for our strength schedule, loses prior to coming into Lincoln. But
1: um, you know, I, I, I for one did not see that coming. Maybe Princeton's a little bit better than uh, people thought. Those those Ivy League schools are tough, man, because they get people stick around for five years, four years, and um, they just find. It always seems like there's a guy that can shoot on those teams. I don't know how it works, but. Uh... Yeah, they stick around. They play good team ball, and uh, I don't think that's that's something to be necessarily too ashamed of. We'll see now Princeton have a terrible rest of the year, and uh, I'll, eat my cr- I'll eat my words. <laughs> that's usually how it works. That's right. fine. Although so, I will
0: note, uh, Princeton last year, I think they won a game in the tournament. They did. So I believe. I, did believe, so. believe so. I don't remember.
1: I do believe they might have been a, a minor Cinderella yeah. there. So. Yeah um no good for them though good love
0: love to see that happen so so good win for those guys uh big 10 again starting off on a relatively weak slate uh you know rutgers kind of leading the charge northwestern gets a couple wins purdue obviously again the class
1: of the big 10 but the rest of the big 10 i think it's it's really up in the air mike it really is i i think nothing's been super solidified except for maybe purdue being the team so uh, excited to see what the Huskers can do i know we got a handful of games left here in the non-con but uh we'll get get into conference play here and see what, see what the Huskers can do. Yeah. I think that about
0: wraps up for this episode. You can follow all of our social media, Scarlet shoot pod on Twitter, on Instagram, on pretty much everywhere you can find it. We're on Apple Podcasts, We're on Spotify. Yeah. So make sure you follow the show. Don't miss a notification. Anytime that we release something, we try to get an episode out semi-weekly, two episodes a week, if possible. It always depends on the schedule. So make sure you keep it You keep your eyes peeled for anything that may drop. I always live tweet the games, me and Mike share that, that uh, responsibility. So make sure you follow us on scarlet shoot Mm -hmm. pod on Twitter for live game updates and, uh, any kind of injury updates and, and roster adjustments that may happen throughout the season. So with that being said, my name is Blake with co-host Mike. And for the both of us, go big red, go big red, baby.